You're listening to What Book Hooked You. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. It is episode 129, and I'm happy to have Sarah Kuhn with me. Her YA debut, I Love You So Mochi, comes out on May the 28th from Scholastic. And in this episode, we not only get to talk about this book, uh, but some of her other work, especially some of the neat projects she's had uh, dealing with uh, intellectual properties uh, from different genres. So it's a very interesting conversation. I hope you enjoy it. So listen in. So, Sarah, what book hooked you? Um, Well, uh, I was going to say um, the Babysitter's Club series by Anna Martin. Um, That is one of the first times I remember being really obsessed with something. And I think it was really because of the second book, which is Claudia and the Phantom Phone Calls, uh, starring Claudia Kishi, who was probably the first um, Japanese-American girl that I saw centered in a story. Um, and I am a Japanese-American girl, so that was a big deal. Um, but And I just loved that it was so joyful. It was such a fun series about girls doing cool things and being friends and having adventures together. Um, you know, they went on um, cruises with their babysitting charges. I don't know how realistic that is, but it was very exciting to read about at the time. And Claudia was definitely my favorite and is definitely a character and sort of a uh, figure that's guided, oh. through my, guided me through my life since then. And so what then do you think, when do you think you were really into, was the peak Sarah into reading uh, the Babysitter's Club books? Around what age? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'd say I was probably tweens, like 10 through 12, I feel like is when that was really a major force in my life. Um you know, probably about the time when I was the same age as the protagonist, because it was kind of a nice combination of uh, realism, where it's these girls who live in a small suburban town, and I lived in a small suburban town, um, and having kind of realistic adventures, I guess, but there was definitely an element of fantasy and wish fulfillment. And uh, Claudia in particular, you know, she was the coolest because she had her own phone line, so she was the vice president. I thought that was really awesome. I could not conceive of having something like that myself. Um, and she also um, was really obsessed with mystery novels and junk food. So she had all these um, like hollowed-out books where she kept all of her candy in her room. Um, and my mother would not let me have candy because she thought it would rot my teeth. Um, so that was also kind of a fantasy element. So it was just like a nice combination of that at exactly the right age, which was probably, again, like 10 through 12, I would say. And so beyond maybe uh, just the Babysitter's Club, what was kind of your young reading life like? Uh, do you remember other books maybe from that time that – what you read a lot of or another series or anything that really stands out? I mean, yes, the, the babysitter's club um, was actually a bit of an outlier, I guess, because um, it was contemporary realistic fiction. And a lot of the other books that I was really, really obsessed with were fantasy. Um, I discovered the sci-fi fantasy section of my library at a very young age and read pretty much everything in it. 
And um, probably my other favorite series around that time, or maybe when I was a little bit older, like kind of aging out of the Babysitter's Club, was uh, Anne McCaffrey's Turn series, um, which is basically about people who ride dragons and live in a fantasy world where there's all dragons. And um, that was also very... um, I guess, important to me because it was also dominated by women. There were a lot of really awesome, strong women characters. Um, There was a lot of romance, which I also love. And so that was definitely also a big uh, series for me around that age. And was there also around this age or when did the writing or wanting to create some sort of your own stories express yourself that way? When did that really uh, surface for you? That didn't happen for a while, actually. I mean, I think it was something that I was always kind of afraid of. Uh, I always loved reading. I loved writing. But I didn't really understand that that was something that I could do as anything more than kind of a fun hobby. Um, I was raised by a very traditional Japanese-American tiger mom, and she really wanted me to have a good job. Uh, where I could get health insurance and um, nothing creative really seemed like that sort of thing. Um, Or at least that was really impressed upon me that that it was not that sort of thing. Um, So I was always writing, but I sort of set my aspirations towards being a journalist because I heard that that was a writing job you could have where one, it was like a real job, quote unquote, and uh, where you could get health insurance. So I kind of set my sights there. And I was actually a journalist for a really long time um, before I started writing creatively in a serious way. I mean, I think I've always made up stories and made up like fan fictions in my head about my favorite shows. But it took me a while to really take it seriously and sit down and do it. So as we skip ahead, when you were a journalist or studying mm-hmm. uh, journalism, was the love of books still there? Were you still able to read? Were you, and if so, what type of books were you into? Oh yeah, I mean, I've always been a reader um, throughout my entire life, and I took a lot of literature courses in college. So even when I, you know, was kind of enmeshed in the life mm-hmm. of being a student, I was still reading all the time. Um, I still read a lot of fantasy and science fiction and comic books. And I'm trying to think if there was something I really discovered in college. I mean, I guess it would be, uh, I took this series of Asian American literature classes. Um, There was one professor at my school, Mills College. Um, Her name is Vivian Chin. And she taught these whole courses of Asian American literature And I feel like that was something that I was not really exposed to growing up. Um, I didn't read a lot or I wasn't exposed to a lot of books that were written by Asian and Asian American women. And so that was really a revelation. Um, I think like she introduced me to a lot of really great authors who are still very uh, influential to me to this day. And probably the one that really stands out is uh, Lois Ann Yamanaka, uh, who wrote, among other things, a book that we read in Vivian's class called Wild Meat and the Bully Burgers. And it was about this girl growing up in Hawaii. And the Japanese-American side of my family is from Hawaii. Um, so there was a lot that I recognized there. Um, and there were a lot of truths that she sort of was writing about that were things that 
I had always kind of felt in my heart, but that I hadn't really seen written about in fiction. Um, and it was kind of amazing. That was definitely a revelation. And so uh, you become a journalist, uh, still reading, but what do you think, was there an event or was there a book that really uh, kind of was that lightning of inspiration that really kind of set you to want to uh, write or create your own stories? I don't know if there was a book I read that was a lightning bolt revelation. I think it was maybe more of a cumulative effect of just reading all of those years, but I can definitely sort of pinpoint the moment when I started writing fiction more seriously. And that was, uh, I was part of a website that was kind of a geek nerd lifestyle website. It's called alert nerd. Um, and we decided that we wanted to make a zine. Um, we had all kind of grown up making the more traditional, like, copy stapled together paper zines. Um, we'd all done those for fun, like, when we were in uh, high school and college. So we decided to do something that was like a PDF zine so people could, like, read it on their computer. Um, and we didn't have to spend our time and money, like, printing out a bunch of pages and stapling them together and mailing them to people. Um, and so I wrote this story for that zine. Um, it was a fiction piece and it was a rom-com about a girl who goes to comic con and she's trying to track down a very specific, very rare action figure. And uh, she encounters a lot of obstacles along the way. And I think that I was able to write that because it felt like it was a safe space. I genuinely thought that the three or four of us who were doing the zine would be the only people reading it. And they were all good friends of mine. So I was like, oh, well, this is a way to kind of try this out. I feel like I'm just writing it to entertain them. Um, it ended on a cliffhanger so that, you know, they all wanted to know what happened next. And that was really what got me started in a serious way writing fiction. You know, I had written a lot of little stories uh, before in like elementary school and stuff. I wrote a screenplay in college as part of a screenwriting class. Um, but this was really something that I think to me felt like, okay, like this is just for fun. It's just my friends. I'm just trying to entertain them. I'm not trying to do anything super serious or that I think will ever get published so why not just have fun with it? And that was really what set me on that path. That's great. And so from making a somewhat of a transition or at least uh, going from maybe your journalistic brain to your fiction writing brain, do you find that uh, there are tools uh, in your journalism craft or training that uh, really help you uh, when it comes to writing fiction? Yes, deadlines. <laughs> um, I think um, I was so trained being in journalism that if you didn't hit a deadline, it meant there was like a big blank spot in the newspaper or you would get fired or something else really bad would happen. So I think that I was trained well in meeting deadlines and working with editors. Um, because when you are working on a story for a magazine or a newspaper, it is not just your vision. Sure. It has a lot of input from different people. Um, I remember my very first uh, newspaper internship, they were always like, okay, like, 
if we run out of space, we cut from the bottom. So put all the most important stuff in the top. Um, so I kind of learned those kinds of skills, like being able to meet deadlines pretty quickly, being able to work with editors, being able to sort of tailor um, my vision to something that made sense to everyone involved. I think those were all good skills. Um, I do think that something that I thought would serve me well that didn't end up being true um, was in journalism. You do have to develop a really thick skin. I mean, it's so fast. You have so many people weighing in. Um, the people weighing in are not always, um, or I guess I should say the people weighing in don't always have time to be like super polite and mindful of your feelings. They can just say this is boring. Um, and so I thought I had really developed that skin. And I guess I thought that that would transfer to fiction as well. And it kind of did it because I think with, with my fiction, um, it's always so personal to me. I'm always writing about myself or some of my issues in some manner. And it's less easy to be, I guess, a little bit disconnected with it. Um, I mean, I was always very invested in the, the people I was writing about um, in stories for newspapers and magazines, but it was, it still wasn't really about me. Um, so I think it was easier to have that thick skin. And so uh, negotiating that in fiction has been different and interesting. And I've learned that I'm actually quite sensitive, hmm. um, which was a surprise to me. Hmm. So you have your debut YA release coming out on May the 28th from Scholastic. It's called I Love You So Mochi. So let's start talking about that and give me a summary of what this book is about. Okay, um, so I Love You So Mochi is about a Japanese-American fashionista, um, kind of shades of Claudia Kishi there, and she goes to Japan for spring break, and she's kind of in the midst of a personal crisis with what, what is she going to do for college, like she's having this huge fight with her mother, and in Japan, she ends up reconnecting with her grandparents, who the rest of her family is a bit estranged from, and she has a romance with a guy who is an aspiring med student, but um, his sort of spring break job is he moonlights as a costume mochi mascot for his uncle's mochi stand. Um, because, you know, like cute mascots are definitely a huge thing in Japan. And so he is kind of part of that craze. And so what, what was that initial idea that brought you to write this book? I grew up living rom-coms like rom-coms and sci-fi fantasy and comic books and superheroes. All of these things are kind of part of my reader DNA, which became part of my writer DNA. Um, so I just love the idea of writing a rom-com that is also told um, within the confines of a set timeline. It's mm. spring break. So I think it's two weeks. I think spring breaks are actually usually one week, but we gave them two weeks so they could have a little more time. Um, and I wanted to kind of write about um, the different layers of being Japanese American, Japanese being from a family where there are people who sort of embody all of those identities because there are so many different identities within Japanese Americans. There are so many different identities within Japanese people. And um, I kind of took a lot from my family, like from growing up with all these different elements coming into play and all of the places where those identities intersect, where they diverge, I thought would be an interesting thing to explore. Um, 
And I always love those um, those kind of travelogue books or stories or movies where you're in this like wonderful, beautiful place that is kind of magical in a way. Um, and you're discovering all of these things for the first time. And I really love that um, I could write the story about a girl who is discovering herself. She's discovering this place and she's discovering love for the first time. And I really wanted to write about how all those things came together. What came first, the story or the desire to write uh, within the YA category? I mean, I've always wanted to write YA. Um, that is something that um, I've always read, uh, I, that I love. I really love a lot of the books that are coming out now that are own voices. When women of color writing, women of color protagonists. That's something I'm passionate about in every category. Um, but I definitely always wanted to write YA. I mean, there are a lot of things that I, I want to write. Um, I'm not super good at focusing on one thing. Um, so that was something I always wanted to do. And uh, my heroine complex books, which are technically adult fantasy romance, um, are a little bit YA adjacent. I do have a lot of teen fans, a lot of older teen readers um, who have told me how much they love them and how much those books meant to them. So it seems like a kind of, um, I guess, natural progression or transition or whatever you want to call it. Um, it wasn't that different from what I was already writing. And you just mentioned your heroin complex series. So tell us about these books. What is this series about? So heroin complex is an urban fantasy slash romance series about Asian American superheroines. Um, and it kind of grew out of my, my desire to tell a story that was a lot like the ones I'd read and loved growing up, but centering women who look like me. So it's like fun and comic booky, and there are superpowers. There's a girl who can shoot fire out of her hands. Um, and they're having all these fun adventures together, but they are all Asian American women having these adventures together. And that was important for me to show. Um, and then I have uh, the latest thing in the series is I have a novella coming out this summer that is kind of a bridge between the first trilogy, which we wrapped up last year, and the next trilogy, which will start uh, next year. Um, and it is about uh, Lucy, who is the kind of fight trainer, weapons expert, bodyguard um, member of the superheroine team. And she's a character that I have always gotten asked, like, when will you write her story? Can we please have more of her story? And so I was finally able to do it in this novella, and I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, it's basically a, um, I guess, kind of superheroine action comedy romance adventure with a lot of karaoke hmm. cool and with you know those stories being very uh more heavy on uh, the superhero the sci-fi aspect then and i love you so much being a more contemporary novel uh do you see yourself since you're already with after this first ya de debut getting more into science fiction and fantasy in uh ya books you know, I'm not sure. I mean, because um, my 
uh, sci-fi fantasy superhero content also tends to be very contemporary. Um, Mm. The heroine series is urban fantasy, so it's set in our world. It's set in this sort of modern-day San Francisco, but there just happens to be, like, magic and superpowers and demonic cupcakes is, like, the big thing from the first book. Um, So I kind of feel like I always write in that tone where it is, a very modern world. It's usually laced with humor. Um, and sometimes there are superpowers and sometimes there are not. Um, I do think what is interesting to me right now in terms of why writing is continuing to write um, in the sort of contemporary rom-com space. I just really love that. Um, I feel like those are books I would have died for when I was growing up. And it was really fun to write a contemporary adventure where, um, you know, in the superhero books, a lot of times uh, the conflict is interpersonal. Like there are a lot of people talking about their feelings because that's another thing I really love writing. Um, But also they obviously have this conflict from this outside source, which is whatever supernatural thing is menacing them throughout the course of the book. And I didn't have that in I Love You So Mochi. So that was interesting because I felt like I had to really come up with conflict from other sources. Mm -hmm. I was like, as much as I love writing people being cute, I probably can't write 300 pages of just people being cute. Um, So really digging into the characters and coming up with that conflict was really exciting to me. And that's something I would like to continue doing. So you're not only writing your own stories, but you've gotten to dabble with other established characters uh, in comic books and graphic novels. There's Barbie, there's Clueless, there's Batgirl. So tell us about these. What has it been like uh, getting to have these opportunities? It's a lot of fun. Um, I love writing those characters. A lot of those characters um, were characters that I was really into growing up. So there is something very surreal about that. Um Cassandra Kane, who's the Asian Batgirl who I'm writing the graphic novel about, um, she has been a hero of mine for so long, and I never really thought that I would get to write her. That was not something that was ever that I ever thought was a possibility. So getting to do that is a dream come true. Um, and I do love sort of like with with that kind with the uh, with licensed work. Um, it's interesting because. It is a little bit like what I was talking about before with journalism, where um, you have a certain amount of creative freedom and yourself that you bring to it, but you're still playing within the confines of someone else's sandbox. Um, And for me, that's a really exciting challenge to sort of figure out, like, how can I tell the story that is resonant to me? I bring to this character that's unique while still keeping it the character that people know and love. You know, like with uh, Clueless, that was really exciting. Um, I wrote that with my friend, Amber Benson. And um, it was fun because we were both obsessed with the movie. Um, We loved Cher Horowitz. We loved her voice. And we had a lot of uh, kind of stress about getting that voice right because it's so unique. Um, So we had to kind of play around with that and also figure out, like, where would she go after the movie? We didn't kind of want to dial back the character development that she went through and reset her to square one. So kind of figuring out like what new adventure could she have? Like what new conflict could she go through and how do we make sure she still sounds like Cher 
without then sounding like a caricature caricature um, because you can't, you know, just have her saying like as if every other page, although we do have her saying as if a little bit um, is a really exciting challenge. So I think we both um, were stressed about that, but also found it very rewarding. And that's kind of how I felt about writing all of these licensed characters is like, I get really stressed out because, it's a big responsibility and obviously all of these characters have a lot of fans and I'm a fan. So I want to do right by that. Um, but then it's exciting to kind of then find where you as a writer can fit within that mythology. So when it comes to these projects, I'm wondering by working on them, what have you learned? Uh, either because it's opportunities to allow you to play with somebody else's characters and that, and a lot of the backstory is already figured out or the fact that it's within the graphic novel and comic book uh, form of storytelling? Well, I think one of the biggest lessons that I'm carrying over from writing the licensed characters is um, how to keep a story fresh. Um, You know, that can be true within one book because books are very long and sometimes when you're writing them, like you get to that soggy middle part and you're just like, Oh my God, like this is so boring. Like how is this going to be exciting for anyone when it's not exciting to me? And that's a really good question to ask yourself. That's a question I usually ask myself in the middle of a project. Um, And so kind of like taking a step back and looking at the characters and the story you're telling from the point of view that I I bring to um, like a licensed property where you are also taking that step back and being like, okay, all all this stuff has been done with this character. What can I bring to it that's fresh? What can I bring to this story that's interesting? What's a different turn this could take that is maybe a little bit unexpected? Um, That is certainly, I think, a good lesson that I brought back. And I'm also looking at that, um, you know, continuing the heroine series. Uh, We already did the three books and the novella. And now we're doing three more. And so it is one of those things where I never thought I would get to write a series that ran that long. And I kind of have to look back and be like, okay, what can I do that is still fresh and interesting while preserving what people love about these characters in the first place? Well, let's wind down here. And as we do, uh, let me ask you a few questions. The first one being, what is your favorite movie based on a book? Oh, gosh. I mean, so many. But I think that I would have to go with the one-two punch of Crazy Rich Asians and To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Um, That was such an incredible moment in pop culture. Um, It was an incredible moment for me as an Asian-American woman who has not really seen herself very much in these kinds of stories. I loved how romantic and amazing and in some senses, you know, a little bit over the top, mm-hmm. especially Crazy Rich Asians sure. was, but they both were just so wonderful in, showcase, in showcasing that and in putting Asian American women at the center. And especially with um, To All the Boys, it's a mixed race family. Um, it's kind of like a family, you know, that I grew up in. And I never thought I would see that. Um, so there was something very meaningful about just seeing that on screen. Um, and having those both come out within months of each other was really amazing. It really did feel like, oh, my God, like there's content that is somehow aimed directly at me. And I don't know if I've ever had that feeling before. 
And so the next question is, is there a series or is there a book that you're willing to admit that you've either never read or never finished? <laughs> well, actually, I'll, I'll go back. Um, I'll come full circle to the Babysitter's Club because it ran for so long and there were so many offshoots that I kind of aged out of it before I could finish. Um, and I was, I'm, I'm still kind of sad about that. I think about maybe going back and revisiting and reading the rest, although there are so many, I don't know, um, if I could even find the time, but I do remember my mom was also disappointed when I kind of aged out of that because she'd been reading them with me. That was kind of like a fun thing we did together. Um, and so she was also sad when I stopped reading because then she didn't really have an excuse to just read them by herself. Um, but yeah, maybe someday I'll go back and finish all the, the many Babysitter's Club books and their offshoots. And then finally, what is the last great book that you've read? I was going to say um, a book that I just loved with all of my heart uh, was The Bride Test by Helen Huang. Um I don't want to spoil too much because I think discovering the story and discovering the characters. And then she also has a really lovely author's note at the end that kind of explains like why she chose to go with these characters. Um, All of that is kind of part of the thrill of reading the book, but it is a really beautiful romance. Um, It's the follow-up to the Kiss Quotient, which is her awesome debut that came out last year. And it's one of those books that I started reading at like 10 o'clock and then I realized I had made a horrible mistake (laughs) because I stayed up so late. I had to finish it. I had to know what happened. Um, She has the ability to write these characters that she writes with such empathy and care and detail. And you just really root for these people to get together. You feel like they're real people. You wonder what's happening to them when you put down the book. Um, like, you know, as if their lives are kind of continuing after the last chapter. And that is just something that I marvel at. Um, so this is, if you've read The Kiss Quotion, or even if you haven't, this is another really wonderful, swoony, sexy romance with characters that you will just die for. Well, Sarah, I just want to thank you for joining us. I Love You So Mochi comes out on May the 28th from Scholastic. And I wish you and this book all the best. Thank you. And that does it for this episode of What Book Cooked You. I want to thank Sarah Kuhn for joining me. Again, her book, I Love You So Mochi, comes out on May the 28th. So I hope you'll check that out. And if you want to check out any of her other books, uh, projects, you can check out the show notes. I'm Brock Shelley. And until next time, keep reading.